This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black on Federal News Network. One-on-one interviews with the people who've left a lasting imprint on the government and the nation. Now your host, Aileen Black. Today I'm talking with Ted Davies, CEO, Altamira Technologies Corporation. Altamira Technologies Corporation is a strategic partner to the U.S. national security community in the areas of space, cyber, and advanced analytics and engineering. Prior to Altamira, Ted was the president of Unisys Federal Systems. Ted is a leader in the government contracting community. He is currently the industry chair of of the American uh, Council for Technology and Industry Advisory Council, and is also on the board of the Professional Services Council. He is also an executive member on the Northern Virginia Technology Council board. Well, first off, Ted, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Aileen. So to get started, why don't I ask you, can you describe your leadership style? Sure. there's a lot of ways to describe leadership. I, I guess the, the way I'd start it is I try for as much transparency and openness as possible. Um, different organizations have different ways of sharing direction and information and decision-making. And, and I do try and distribute that as, as widely as I possibly can. So that's kind of a beginning part of that. Uh, kind of secondly, what I would say is try to be collaborative and consensus building. Uh, I guess about 95 plus percent of the time, kind of get the decisions that way. Uh, Every once in a while, it's time to make a decision. We make it, I'll make it and we'll move on. So, you know, I've learned to kind of pull people together and, and, uh, and work with a, with a team to to make, get things done. One of my uh, early mantras that that I think about that I've, I've talked to folks about is clarity of thought leads to clarity of communication, which leads to improved outcomes. And uh, I always refer to a story I had years ago when I had a young engineer working for me and uh, we had a challenge we were facing and he came and he said, Hey Ted, I, we got this problem. Um, I've analyzed the alternatives. I have decided here's the three alternatives. I recommend number three. Um, And in number three, here's what I can do. And here's what I need you to do. And we had just a very constructive conversation. He thought it through clearly. And then we could make a decision. We could clearly communicate to others what we had to do and get the outcome that we wanted. So I think that was a, it resonated with me. I always go back to that story and it seems to help people understand how to, how to move forward like that. So when you have different audiences and you're working with different people, you actually just noted that you got leadership advice almost or, or, or examples from somebody who wasn't necessarily um, in a position higher within you, but actually somebody you work with or, or maybe even somebody that worked for you. Um, when you're working with different audiences, do you change your leadership style? I, I, w- I would say, uh, you know, uh, approach and philosophy, no. <clears throat> the way I communicate, yes, obviously. I, you, everybody's heard of the what's in it for me with them principle. Um, I have to remind folks, you know, it was even – more recently, we were announcing here at Altamira the addition of a new senior leader. And, you know, the initial, the manager or the leader had drafted up an, a, an approach for how to announce that to the organization. And, and it was all about, like, why it was important to kind of the leadership team, but it really wasn't written in a way that was important to the people that were going to be reading it. And so, you know, the, 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 the principle I talked about earlier had to come through in all this, but 
but uh, it had to be something that, that made sense for the, for the people to be reading. Um, and it's just a way to, to think about it. Um, people need to see, you know, what does this mean to me at the end of the day? And um, so the, the, the audience, I think, is really, really important. Uh, situation doesn't really change kind of leadership style. Um, and we're talking about how we do that throughout the morning, I guess. So I've ever been uh, faced with, a, you know, a, a leadership challenge, um, you know, like the stressful times that we're going through today. Um, how did you get through it? How did you approach that? I, well, first of all, I, I, I would say challenges make you a better leader. Um, may, anything you're going to do in life is going to have challenges. So I, 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 I'm a sports fan and, you know, I, I had watched the playoffs last weekend and, and uh, you know, the Ravens beat the Tennessee Titans. And uh, last year, the Ravens were 15 and one. They sailed through their season and they lost the Titans in the playoffs. This year, they had a whole host of problems throughout the year. And uh, they overcame those problems, everything from COVID to injuries to everything else. And, and, uh, and they beat the Titans yesterday. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was just a great illustration to me that, you know, facing adversity is not, is not a bad thing. Um, it, it's how you deal with adversity that matters. And, you know, when you deal with, it, with adversity and challenges, you have to break it down. And you have to stay focused on the things that you can control. You have to not worry about the things that you can't control. And you, know, you break it down into pieces and you don't get, get overwhelmed and try and solve it all at once. And you solve one problem at a time and one step at a time. And eventually you come through it. Um, you have to have a positive outlook, uh, not only for yourself, but for those that are around you. If you don't, if you look at a problem as overwhelming and, and can't get fixed, then chances are everybody around you is going to feel the same way. If you look at a problem or a challenge in a way that, that, that resonates confidence and then we can get through it, then, uh, then you can work your way through it. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the way I think about it. Have you, uh, can you define a great leader or is there a great leader that comes to mind when, when someone asks you, you know, what is a great leader? Yeah. So I, I, I resonate less with their the individual A or individual B and, and mostly because I don't want people to think, wow, I'm going to go emulate that person. I don't want people emulating me for quite, for uh, quite frankly, um, people have to be authentic and authentic means you have to be yourself. Uh, you know, the folks you're leading, they've got good BS meters. And uh, you know, if you're trying to be somebody else, if you model yourself after uh, somebody you've seen and it's not really you, people are going to figure that out really quick. So, you know, the, the, the first thing that I always say is you have to come up with your, the leadership style that applies to you. And you've got to, you're going to learn lessons from me. You're going to learn lessons from other people. You're going to look at folks. And I've had plenty of times along the way where I saw somebody take an action and say, Whoa, I would probably not do that. And it, it did, didn't work out well. And, and that definitely solidified an approach. Um, it's similarly to, you know, things that were done very well, you know, I learned from, but tried to incorporate them into my own, my own leadership style. So, you know, I think, you know, the, the biggest thing I would say is you're looking to develop a leadership is, is don't look at anybody as the role model. Look at people that you think are role models and try and draw lessons from them and, and take those and internalize those and make them, make them your own. Um, to be able to do that, you got to be a good listener. You've got to be attentive to details. Um, you know, you got to talk less and, and listen more, people say. Um, so I think that's, those are all important. The, 
But the, the other thing I would say is, um, I think most folks or many folks in, in, in the marketplace have read the book, Good to Great by, by Collins. And, you know, he defines a level five leader. And, and you know, as soon as I read that, I, I, I agreed with it. And, and, and everything I've seen since then, you know, drives the point home that a combination of personal humility and a passion for organizational success are just so complimentary. And, and, and I, I, I try to model that. Um, and I, I, uh, I really respect people to do that. So um, I think level five leadership is, is something we should all aspire to. And uh, that's, that's something that, uh, that will mark you as a good leader. What obstacles and challenges have you encountered on a personal level that you had to overcome to become an effective leader? Um, you know, I've had, between personal and, and, and professional, I've had plenty of life challenges. Um, you know, I had a, my, uh, my, my wife, that I, a girl that I married out of college after 21 years of marriage, she died of a disease called lupus. Uh, became a single dad. Um, I was running a business segment at Unisys at the time. And, uh, you know, it was a personal and professional challenging time for me. And, uh, you know, really the way I got through it was kind of a couple things. One is uh, relying on the folks that were around me. I had, had, a, had a great team of people that all rallied. We had had a very challenging year in the company the year before. And uh, we put together a plan uh, that was going to be executable, but it required a lot of intense focus. And uh, we focused on that. And uh, we, had a, we had a very solid year. And uh, you know, I guess the ability to break things down into manageable pieces, uh, compartmentalize personal versus professional, and keep it all together was, was really important. Um, you know, I leaned on my faith pretty hard. I, I, as a Christian, I, I found my way way closer to God. And I was able to to kind of balance it all out. But I think, uh, you know, you got to keep moving forward. And one of my favorite sayings that I, that I use all the time is um, God can't steer a parked car and you've got to keep on moving and, and, and allow your, allow things to work in your life. You can't stop. You can't just sit still. Um, you know, progress is, is going to happen without you and, and you've got to work it. Another uh, saying, I'm, I'm into sayings, you can tell I lean, but, uh, you know, one of the sayings I like a lot comes from, uh, is rooted in Albert Einstein, that uh, life's like riding a bicycle. If you stop moving forward, you're going to fall off. And uh, so you just have to keep moving forward. And uh, forward progress is, is better than nothing. Um, I played rugby for a lot of years. Um, I coached rugby at George Mason University for four years. And, uh, you know, when you look at, at, at those kind of games, you know, it's a momentum game. Life is a momentum game. And uh, positive momentum is really, really important. So as you face challenges, you got to keep moving. You got to create positive momentum and you got to just, just take one day at a time. I'm speaking with Ted Davies, CEO of Altamira Technology Corporation. After the break, we'll discuss the leadership decision-making and communication and why it's important to have the right combination. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Radio. I'm Eileen Black, and today I'm talking with Ted Davies, CEO, Altamira Technology Corporation. Um, Ted, what is the most important type of decisions you can make as a leader of your organization? I would say, without doubt, the most important decision that, that I make is who to hire and how to define their role and how to align the organization the right way. So it's, a, it's all about people. 
Um, you know, it, if you don't get the people right, then then you're really not going to have success. It, it, it's really, I think it's common knowledge that that you really can't accomplish anything big in the business world or quite frankly in life if you don't have it, if you don't do it with other people. So they, they, that to me is the most important decisions that, that I make are always around people. How do you approach um, how you decide what you will do? Do you do it um, you, when you're, after you hire the right people, you have the people around you. Uh, do you have a tendency to do decision by committee? Um, you know, how, how do you approach it with your leadership team? Um, I, as I said, I think at the outset, I'm a pretty collaborative leader. Um, you know, that, that's a little different than decision-making by committee. Um, try and pull people together and get facts and make sure that everybody is, everybody's aligned. Um, and I guess 95% of the time, you know, we, we, we do get there, but, uh, you know, I, I think approaching decision-making is, is getting as many facts as you can together, um, tie in those facts in, in a way that you think will be executable. Um, looking at the, at the decisions you got to make in the context of the larger journey. Um, you know, one thing that's always been important to me is making sure that we combine strategic and tactical decision-making. Um, you know, I've met many folks that, that live in the strategy ionosphere and, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they, they, they can be visionary and think about all these great things that we should be doing and the places we should be going, but translating that into action and getting actions done is, is, is really challenging for them. And then there's other folks that are really good at, you give them direction and they can execute like crazy, but you know, trying to ask them to look two years down the road is like asking them to look around you know, a dark corner. And um, so it, it's really important to be able to combine those things and then have those attributes be evident in the team. So in any team I've had, including the current team I have at Altamira today, which is, which is a great team, there are folks that are, that are more strategic and there are folks that are more tactical. And, and you need to rely on both those people as you make decisions. Do you think decision processes for leaders need to change underneath stressful times or during a crisis? I mean, sometimes you don't, you know, the outcome may not be known because the current situation has never been experienced before, like we're experiencing today with COVID-19. Setting a, a tone for the future that, that, you know, next year or the year beyond that, we're going to be a lot better than the current year that we were in last year. And uh, so we set that vision out there and then we just executed against it. And, you know, once we had those guideposts and I advertised them very, very early on to the organization, uh, we put them in the leadership team. We, I gave it to our board of directors um, and we said, this is how we're going to focus. And as we made decisions throughout the year, we, we kind of had those on the wall and uh, it allowed us to really come through the year in a good way. We were fortunately uh, as, as a Altamira family, uh, everybody was affected in some way, but, but it was not as bad as it could have been so far. Um, the company's come through very healthy, actually in a, in a better position than we were a year ago. And we won some work and we're growing and we got a great pipeline of opportunities this year. So, um, you know, having simple priorities that, that people can kind of grasp onto during a crisis and during a tough time is, is really, really valuable. And uh, fortunately, we were able to do that last year. You know, you, you talk about, um, you know, making sure everybody has the right perspective and goal. Communications are clearly key to success of implementing that strategy. Do you set aside time to cast a vision to your employees and other leaders? How do you do that? Yeah, at, at different levels, we do it at different cadence. Um, you know, I, I like, I, there's so many ways to communicate today. I mean, so many ways. 
And I will tell you, there's unequivocally nothing better than face-to-face communication. Um, so pre-COVID, you know, when we have four major locations and people scattered kind of all over the place, but, you know, I get around to those four locations regularly. And we would do at least two town halls a year in each one of those locations where, you know, we pull folks together in some venue and we talk about what's going on with the company. Um, and then we talk about what's happening local. And, uh, you know, to tell you the truth, kind of the, the WIFM idea I put out there earlier, you know, people do care about the company, but they also care what, you know, what's happening around me that I don't know about. And uh, so we, you're doing that in, in person two times a year has always been important. Uh, clearly, we had to go virtual with all that in the last, you know, nine months or so. Um, but we still did a couple. We actually, did, we did three during COVID um, because we were trying to communicate more. Um, you know, regular emails, uh, you know, our organization uh, is, is uh, again, in the national security community, email is, is a good mechanism for them. Uh, they can read it when they when when they have time and when they have access. Um, so that so that's been very good. You know, as far as a leadership team goes, we we do a tag up every Monday morning, just a quick you know half an hour, quick what's going on. Um, but then yeah, on alternate Mondays we'll do deeper dives into major priorities for the organization. So we'll do a, a deep dive one Monday on you know what's going on with all of our programs. We'll do a deep dive on financials. We'll do a deep dive on our IRAD. We'll do a deep dive on HR and people. We'll do a deep dive on on bidding and proposals and, and, and the biggest business development initiatives we have. So, you know, one, one, once a week, try and kind of put all that together for, for the leadership of the organization and then uh, communicate, you know, throughout, you know, with, with the broader organization. And those are, those are again, combination of, you know, tying back to strategy and vision. There, there, there's usually that in there. Um, but then also it's got to be tactical because if you're talking high level all the time, you know, people kind of get lost in that. They, they, they need kind of more near-term, you know, what's going on. So it's got to be a little bit of both, and, and, the, and the cadence changes depending on the audience. You're listening to Leaders in Legend and Government on Federal News Network. I'm Eileen Black, and today we're talking with Ted Davies. Ted, has your focus in your time horizons changed as you've taken on more senior positions? I mean, have you changed the way you approach things? I'd say it's less about the position and more about the stakeholders. Um, you know, my background, I was, I was a partner at, at Booz Allen, a large consultancy. It was privately held at the time when I was there. Um, I was a senior executive and part of the corporate leadership team in a publicly traded company, Unisys, for, for a number of years. I now have been a CEO for a private equity-backed company for, this is, I'm going into my sixth year here. And uh, so, you know, I've been in leadership roles for, in senior leadership roles for 20 years now. Um, and so I, I, I can't say that my time horizon changed when I got into those roles, but I will tell you my time horizons change based on the stakeholders. So, you know, everybody, all three models, you're trying to create long-term value for the organization. And uh, the way you do it is different in each model. Um, and the way you measure success is different. Um, you know, when you're in a privately held model, um, you know, you kind of look annually, you know, how do we do this year? Um, when you're publicly traded, you are looking quarterly. You are on a 90-day clock. And, uh, you know, I've got tons of friends in publicly traded companies, and, and everybody strives to be long-term oriented, and, and to a certain extent they are, but, you know, you're ruled by the quarterly clock. And with private equity, you know, there's going to be an outcome someday, some, some number of years down the road. And uh, so we focus on a, on a, on a where's that outcome, what's a logical outcome, and what does that got to look like? And are we this year making progress against that outcome? Um, so it's, you know, it's really, I, 
I try and stay longer term focused now than quite frankly, I was in either one of the other two models because I can kind of see where, where a potential uh, you know, turning point might be you know, for the organization. Um, having said all that, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think in three-year windows. Um, you know, I used to do five-year strategies when I was earlier in my career. Five years is too long. It's an eternity. And I think one year is too short. Um, so I look in a rolling three-year wave. Wh wh where should we be in three years? What does this year have to look like to be there? And then as we end the, end the year, you know, you look three years again, and what does next year got to be like? And, and every year I've done this, uh, the year turned out obviously different than you might have expected, and you've got to adapt the next year. But you don't really move the goalposts too much um, over the three-year view. So um, I've found it to be very effective to focus three years out, but do it in a rolling basis and assess progress each year and make changes and adapt as you need to. I'm speaking with Ted Davies, CEO of Altamira Technology Corporation. Coming up next, we'll talk about leaning on faith as you lead through challenges. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and today I'm talking with Ted Davies, CEO of Altamira Technology Corporation. Ted, at this stage in your career, what are your thoughts about managing versus leading? Um, they're great. <laughs> you got, you have to do both. Um, you know, I, I'd say oftentimes leaders, uh, leaders feel like I'm leading, I'm not managing. And, and you oftentimes you get, you know, middle managers saying, you know, I'm managing, I'm not leading. And, and I think that's wrong. Um, I think everybody in a management position has to be a both leader and a manager. Um, you know, leadership is about setting a vision uh, setting a casting a, a wide net to collect folks to to, to join in that in, in that crusade, so to speak, um, making sure that you've got the structure in place uh, to be able to accomplish that vision. That people have the the resources, the um, the ability to make decisions. I always like to have a delegation of authority that pushes decision making down as far as you can. Um, so that's leadership is kind of broad brush, but. Leadership without management is, is just, you know, it, it's like a, a walk in the woods by yourself. Um, so you, you, you've got to have uh, management, and that's tactical day-to-day -day execution. Um, there's no substitute for making progress every day. So, you know, I think everybody in, in, in a management position has to be both a leader, and, and maybe they're not casting the vision, but they have to really be part of that vision and understand that vision and be able to translate that vision into action and translate that into a language that the organization can understand, and then and then manage every single day uh, to make progress against against that vision. So, I think they're complementary and different, and everybody's got to do both. You've been a speaker uh, publicly about your faith and leading on your faith uh, to include, you know, some spe some speeches I saw in regards to at workplace ministries. I, I have read and believe that leadership is earning and retaining the faith of others. Do you believe that faith relates to leadership? And if so, how? Absolutely. Um, I think in the context of people needing to have faith in their leaders, I think that in that context, faith equals trust. Um, you know, I think when, when, when you, when, and I believe in that, I, I think people have to trust their leaders um, and, and, and trust that the leaders are going to act consistently and fairly and have some kind of moral compass that's guiding them. Um, and everybody's got a different, you know, different way they would define that. Um, 
But I think, you know, le uh, leaders have to exude trust and, and fairness and consistency, integrity and, and, uh, and, and, and being, uh, being somebody that people want to want to follow. Um, you know, having said that, I think, you know, faith is, is, is in that, but, it, but it's a little different for me. You know, I think being a, 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 a good Christian leader is the same thing as being a good leader. Um, you know, it's around authenticity. It's around humility. It's around compassion. It's around caring. Um, it's around empathy um, and, and being able to exhibit all those characteristics with everybody in your organization and the people you deal with outside your organization is something that, that you just do every day. And, and, and I tie it back to my faith. It doesn't mean that you have to be a, a, a Christian to do that. Uh, people in all of all faiths can exhibit those, those characteristics. Um, but that's, that's what's been foundational for me. Um, I mentioned earlier, you know, that I went through a personal tragedy and loss and, uh, you know, that really um, solidified my faith. And uh, it means that when I go through hard times um, and at work, there's always hard times. There's always setbacks at work. I don't care what organization you're in and what leader you are. You, you face setbacks. And what's your touch point? You know, where do you go back to? And, uh, you know, I, I go back to my faith and I realize that um, I don't control everything, um, but I do control how I operate and how I react to, to what's, uh, what's going on around me. And uh, that's been foundational for me throughout. It, it, it supported me personally, professionally, you know, for over 20 years now. Getting organizations to adopt change are always one of the biggest leadership challenges. How do you approach leading an organization to adopt change? What is the strategy that you keep your team focused on what sometimes could be believed as an impossible task? Uh, first of all, I, I think change happens from the middle. Um, you know, I don't sit here on high and say we're going to change and then throw it out there and then everybody runs. You know, you have to build from the middle. Um, so I'll give you an example from just here at Altamira. Um, you know, we, we, changed, uh, we changed ownership last uh, 2019. It's no longer last year. Uh, we changed ownership in 2019. And uh, we've been operating for five years. We built a really, really strong platform. Uh, that we could expand on, we could grow organically, we could make investments to add other or, uh, other companies. Um, but some of the folks in the Millie organization said, we need to really look hard at our infrastructure. And uh, we need to look at, for example, our, uh, our HR system. Is that going to be something that's going to support us as we double and triple in size, you know, from here where we are today? Um, when we look at our IT infrastructure, is, is this going to be able to support us? And and so we came up with a, with a pretty aggressive change initiative for the, work for the company last year. <laughs> and we launched it about three weeks before COVID hit. Um, but that was driven 100% by the middle of the organization. And it was folks in the, in the finance team, the HR team, and, and pretty frankly, line leaders that were managing parts of the business. Um, folks in the business development group, um, they all, we, we, and, and as, as it started to become apparent, we, we, we had the, organizational will and appetite to do this and it was the right thing you know leadership jumped in and, and helped guide and, and direct it and clearly made resources available to be able to accomplish it um but we put an agenda together for the year and and, and we kind of knocked it out and, and and we took advantage of uh we actually took advantage of having to be virtual and, and COVID actually in some ways helped us um but we had we had laid out a, an approach and uh and it was built from the from the middle up and the middle down and uh, we, we kept the steering group going that, that guided that. We broke it down into manageable tasks. 
you had to have owners for each component of it. So you can't just hand a, a part of a change agenda to a, a group and say, go get it done. Um, you've got to have, you got to have some, some ownership of that that's going to drive it. And then it's got to be organization wide. So as I said earlier, it included participation from every part of the organization and uh, kind of back to the with them principle. We, we, we trickled it down to the organization and let folks know why it was important to them. When we rolled out a brand new HR system, there was a ton of communication, you know, with a larger team as to, there were benefits for the company, but we tried to strive for what are the benefits to you, the employee of going like this. So um, I was really excited by the initiative that folks took. And, and again, to me, it was a really good illustration of something I knew all along was that the change happens from the middle out. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and today I'm talking with Ted Davies, CEO of Altamira Technology Corporation. Um, Ted, you are the CEO of Altamira Technologies that we've talked about. Tell us about your role. Could you describe the leadership style or culture leadership, uh, you know, approaches at Altamira? We've been talking a little bit about it, but, you know, is there a definition out there you strive for? Uh, I wouldn't say I have a definition. Um, Sometimes I refer to myself as the chief communications officer. Sometimes I'm the chief culture officer. Sometimes I'm the chief connections officer. Um, you get the idea. Um, you know, communications officer, I just think communications is so important uh, across the organization, uh, up and down, out into the community. Um, so I do spend a lot of time thinking about how are we translating what we're doing here and where we're trying to go into messages that matter in, in, in different mediums. You know, culture is, is, is critical. I think we've all, many of have heard the phrase that uh, I think Peter Drucker said it originally was culture eats strategy for breakfast every day. And, uh, you know, you can have the best strategy in the world, but if your culture doesn't align to that, then you're not going to get it done. So I spent a lot of time trying to build a culture and, you know, the culture is really around people and innovation and, and teamwork, um, you know, fi- primarily. And we have other, other things we define it as, but, but, you know, watching and making sure that the decision-making and the operations of the organization are aligned with our culture is a huge part of the job. And then on the connections front, um, you know, I, I'm one of the, really probably the only person in the organization that gets to see across the organization and be able to connect things that are happening in different parts of the organization. Um, I also try and spend as much time as I can out in the community, um, seeing what else is going on out there and meeting other people. I strive to be even during COVID, have, you know, many external calls each week. Um, I also have to manage our board. And, uh, you know, we've got some really bright folks on our board with really, really diverse backgrounds and, and uh, you know, trying to connect up, you know, their activities and how they can help us with the organization. So, you know, I kind of see my role as, as a CCO, which alternatively can be communications, culture, or connections. Um, that's kind of the, the broad strokes of the way I think about it. So what are you most proud of in the culture that you have built uh, at Altamira or other companies that you have led in the past? Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with Altamira because I think Altamira is, is a, it, it builds off of uh, uh, the things that I learned in my prior days. So I tell people a lot that, you know, my time at Booz Allen really taught me the power of culture, the power of building great teams and the power of just listening to your, to your customers, right? Your clients. You know, what I learned at, at, at Unisys was the strength of bringing innovation to mission and, uh, you know, steady legacy missions that need to be modified. We brought a ton of innovation into those in, in government. You know, I've tried to bring both those here and bring them together in Altamira. 
you know, build a great culture, be around people and collaboration and teams, and then bring innovation into the into the DNA. So, you know, as I said before, we 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 have a we have a very people focused culture. Um, two of the things we did very early on when I got here, we 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 formed something we call um, healthy living, and that was focused on really building a better and, and a holistic view on how do our how do our people here how, how does our team kind of live a better life and it wasn't just about having great benefits which is what we have but it's everything from from wellness challenges to to uh to financial counseling where people would like it uh to stress management to doing all sorts of things that that, that help people kind of balance the stresses of life with it with having a great career we re-engineered the career ladder, and we call it ultimate career track, so that people would have a career, not just a job. And I really built that. And then the other thing that, that we built when, we, when I got here was um, ultimate cares, and that was the work out in the community. And no matter which office that we're in, we try and uh, we try and pick at least one big thing we do as a group, and then we support activities throughout the year. And uh, last year was a, a very different year, obviously with COVID. And uh, what we picked as a, as a company was the American Heart Association Heart Walk. And uh, we had done a date in his large office for us. Uh, Blaine Worthington, our, our leader out there, was actually the chair of the Heart Walk in Dayton in 2019. And I've been a, a, an executive sponsor and a, and a, and a, and a large uh, donor here in, in Washington at the Heart Walk. And, and we, we said what we're going to do this year uh, during COVID times is we're going to do a virtual Heart Walk. doesn't matter where you are in the company. Um, and where you are geographically. Uh, we picked a weekend. It was Columbus Day weekend in 2020. And we said, get out and walk and walk with your family. And however many miles you walk, tell us how many miles that is. And the company's going to do $2 per mile for the company. And we did uh, well over 1,000 miles. It was pushing towards 2,000 miles as a company. And, uh, and, and, we, and we, we double matched that. And, and uh, we did a little bit more than that even. And, and uh, you know, it was a way to give back the community. Uh, it, it was a way to bring folks together and, and, and do something with purpose. It brought families out. Um, we had t-shirts, we sent pictures in. There were pictures and you can find them on our website of all over the country, people just doing cool walks. And, and uh, we just, it's just those kind of things that, that you, know, you build a culture internally to, to help folks live a better life. And then you try and align the organization to help the communities in which we live and operate. I think it's a big part of corporate social responsibility is to give back to the communities in which you live and work. And we do it, we do it as a company and we try and do it locally wherever we are. Different charities get sponsored in different ways, depending on what's important to our employees in different locations. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black and today I'm talking with Ted Davies, CEO Altamira Technology Corporation. Next, we'll find out how Ted's advice to the next generation of federal leaders. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black, and today I'm talking with Ted Davies, CEO Altamira Technologies Corporation. Ted, there has been countless articles about the lack of diversity in the tech industry. What are your thoughts on how we can change the industry to look more like the general population? I would start by saying that's so important. I mean, I, I think of it, it, A, it's the right thing to do, and B, it needs to be a national priority. Uh, technology is the future of any society uh, and, and, and society's economics, and the strength of any nation is their, is their economic success and the success of the people in that society. 
And so we have to address this as a nation. Um, you know, I think it starts with, with formation in the early years of education. I think elementary, middle school, we've got to make sure that, that, that every child has the opportunity to be exposed to technology. I'm, I'm struck by uh, something we, 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 we supported a, 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 a girls in technology uh, initiative with the University of Maryland for a few years now, um, where, they, where they, they, they brought together high schoolers and college age, age women and, um, and uh, put challenges in front of them. And, um, you know, and, and there, were, there was uh, uh, evaluations and voting and, and, uh, and, and some of the teams won awards. And it, it, it just really inspired, uh, you know, young women to, 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 uh, to get more excited about technology. But, but that's at the, at the higher end of the spectrum. You know, I think if you don't get children involved earlier, um, you, you're just not going to you're not going to have success. So we, we've been a, we, we were a longtime sponsor at the, one of the schools locally that um, that had these these technology days. And uh, we, we actually focused on girls in STEM. And we had we had tons of stories about girls showing up to the to the event and being exposed to something new and then saying, oh, I want to go get involved with that. So. Um, it's got to start in, in the lower parts, I think, of, of the educational system. It's got to be advocated by everybody for both, uh, both girls and, 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 and people of all, all colors and backgrounds. Um, we have to push that. Um, the other piece of it I think is really important is the community college level. Um, you know, we know education is going to look different five years from now, dramatically different five years from now than it did five years ago. And I think community colleges are going to play a critical, critical role in this because they, they get at technical skills directly. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a ton of folks that may not want to go for a large four-year education. Um, and, and, and by the way, I, I do believe in, in, in large four-year educations. I'm not, I'm not saying that I don't support that. I, I do. But I do think that there's plenty of, of uh, younger folks that are overwhelmed by the idea of going off, or maybe they don't have the resources, the time to go off for a large four-year education that can get really, really good training and certification in community colleges. So I, I think we've got to, we've got to focus educationally on that. It needs to be a national priority. Um, industry needs to partner, uh, you know, with, with, with government and schools. And, um, you know, we, we will continue to do that here at Altamira. And I, I think every, every corporation needs to do that. You know, Ted, you have a, a big job, uh, you know, as CEO of Altamira. Um, they keep you very busy, but yet you're very busy in the community. You are currently the industry chair of IAC. Um, you're um, with the PSC. Uh, I, I worked with you uh, over the years a couple of times at Northern Virginia Technology Council. Um, why do you spend so much time in these organizations? You mentioned earlier to, to get a, a pulse of what's going on. Why do you value that? And, and how, do you, how do you balance it all? <laughs> Sometimes better than others, I guess. Um, but the, uh, you know, why I do it is, A, it's the right thing to do. I, I just think leaders that, that pigeonhole themselves and say, my only job is to run my organization, I, I, think, they, I think they are doing disservice to the larger community. So I, I think, one, it's the right thing to do. Two, I really focus on, on organizations with, with, with really strong missions. And, you know, I, I pick, you know, ACT-IAC as, as, as a great example you know, their orientation, our orientation is around accelerating government mission outcomes. And, uh, you know, we're all, all of us that work in the government contracting community, we really do care about government. 
It's not just about making a buck. It is really making sure that our government operates as effectively as it possibly can. So, you know, I really focus on organizations with missions that matter. And, and then I, uh, I, I get back as much as I put in. You know, I meet new people. Um, I get different perspectives. I build new relationships that, that may eventually help me with my business life as well. Um, but I also learn new things. I, I was given the opportunity to, to be the chair at the United Way of the National Capital Area a few years ago. And the first thing, first opportunity I was given was uh, by the CEO at the time who had recruited me to, to be this chair was, hey, he told me I'm going to retire. And so I had an opportunity to hire a CEO uh, at the United Way. And uh, you know, I'd never hired a CEO before, um, but I went, we went through a process and we hired Rosie Allen Herring, who is a phenomenal leader of the United Way. And uh, as part of that, we had to build a new strategy for the organization and uh, really focused on mission outcomes, you know, picked a few big problems in the community we thought we could really dramatically impact and uh, work the organization in a few different directions. But, you know, I never would have had an opportunity to hire a new CEO and build a strategy for a, a large nonprofit in the area if I hadn't gotten involved. So um, getting involved teaches me new things, exposes me to, to new people and new ways of thinking. And uh, quite frankly, it's just the right thing to do. You're listening to Leaders and Legend Government on Federal News Network. I'm talking with Ted Davey, CEO of Altamira Technology. Ted, describe your career path. You've had an amazing career path with, uh, you know, just incredible roles. If there was a listener out there that would like to follow in your footsteps and become a CEO of Altamira like yourself, what would the advice you would have? I'd start with stay open. Um, you know, opportunities are out there. Um, you just have to follow them. And, and it's been said, and I've found it true. I think I've had, I counted six or seven jobs in my career now. And, and, and every single one of them have been through a relationship. Um, you know, every time I've moved, it's because somebody, you know, called me up or texted me or, you know, just bumped into somebody and said, you ought to talk to so-and-so. And, uh, so I didn't really seek opportunities. I just stayed open to them. Um, so that's kind of, kind of number one. Number two is um, continue to commit to learning. Um, we got to continue to grow and learn throughout our careers. And, um, you know, the best way to do that is to look at the things that are happening around you and, and try and pick things that you're interested in that you want to learn more about. Um, and part of that really is jump in and help out. Um, I, especially early in my career and even in the middle of my career, you know, if I saw a colleague that needed help, I'd ask, can I help you? And there might have been late nights because of it. Um, but that's okay. Because I learned as much by helping others as I did doing but by, by, by doing what people would say your assigned job. Um, so jumping in and helping out and, and learning, you know, is critical. And then the last thing I'd say is build your network. Um, you know, I say this to young people all the time. You, you've got to continue to cultivate new relationships. And, and you do it intentionally. Um, but you do it mostly by what I started with, being open open opportunities. Um, I, I, I would not recommend a, a, a dialed in career path. If somebody would have told me I'd be running Altamira today 20 years ago, I, I wouldn't have any idea how I would have navigated here, um, but I would have known principally how I would do it. And that's by being open to conversations, uh, building that network out and jumping in learning and, and helping others whenever I could. You've been listening to Leaders and Legend in Government. 
My guest today has been Ted Davies. Ted, I want to thank you for joining us today and sharing your personal journey and some extremely valuable advice. I'm Aileen Black. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black. Subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Podcast One.